high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out to practice. With your host, Pete Barney. So I missed the practice There was no TiVo What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat Then stream it on Hulu Am I gonna wear my tux through season 5? Signs point to no Do I sense a subtle remix in the theme song for season 5? to the Out of Practice podcast detailing David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. Can you believe we are in season five of The Practice? We are talking about season five, episode one, Summary Judgments. It is Out of Practice, episode 85, and you are right. I did do a slight remix of the, uh, uh, wow, well done. You actually were able to hear the differences even being beamed over the internet. You haven't even heard the full res version of it. Since well, yeah, since I, you and I, I live in a vacuum where we have only one friend each, I've I've begun to live inside of your psyche and I I, I could tell. I could just mm-hmm. tell the subtle differences. Yeah, well I was I was actually talking um with my wife. She's working on her setting up her own recording studio and uh and doing all sorts of stuff. So she's working on her album, like, you know, two rooms in that direction. But we were talking about you playing guitar because she was one. <clears throat> she reached out to you, was wondering if you were going to play on uh, something she's working on, and she's like, you know, so can like, what does my sound like as a guitar? So I was playing her the raw recording of you playing on this uh, on our soundtrack, which of course you sent six layers of guitar for, and I took the opportunity because I always felt like the guitar mix was just a hair off in the last version. Mm. I thought the lead was, was too high and the rhythm was too far down. So I went and I, I remixed that. And then I did, I chose a different piano to play the piano track because when you're dealing with VSTs, I can just make it any piano I want. So I went with a more, more like a classical feel. Last time it was an upright, but now it's like a full well, I can't York wait to brand. listen to the full uh, HD mix. Yeah, you're going to hate it. You're going to be like, this is different. <laughs> oh no, my it's, it's always great because yeah. when I sent you those raw files, I was like, oh, these sound terrible. Because when you're just listening to like anything raw, really, it, yeah, sure. it sounds like too loud and not, and you're like, oh, they're going to hear these imperfections. But when you mix it in and things are buried correctly and very, it sounds all, and you're like, oh, that's me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have a, yeah, I have that's a, a, you. a modicum of talent. Modicum? Modicum. Modicum. Yeah, but it, it sounds terrific i mean i was so excited when you first sent it to me i'm like oh shit sounds like a real thing you're like man 30 well, people are gonna hear this 30 people are gonna hear your six layers it's it's like three people for each layer of guitar oh Akif, you, uh, you know before i forget yeah. i want to let you know uh 
CEO Jen was wondering if she was going to get a SAG waiver for her appearance in the last episode. Ah, mm, good question. Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm not sure if any of the uh, any of the unions are still extant at this point. True. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on with equity? What's going on with SAG? No, there's no income coming in for them, so I bet we can probably get away with more than we normally Well, Jen's could. doing a 29-hour reading next week, and I'm like, that's, Is she really? that's a thing still? Wow, okay, cool. But in person or over Zoom? It's a Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's still that's still yeah. a thing. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just like a, they're handing out so few contracts for stuff. I was like, I guess it must be a legit thing. Well, twenty like a Zoom reading. Like, I don't think a twenty nine hour reading is affected by this. I think there's just not much reason to do one <laughs> until we have. An yeah, industry, she was freaking out. She's plans. like, should I get a green screen? I was like, my I don't know for sure, but my sense is that. You're not, there's no audience for this reading that's for the creatives because over Zoom, what kind of true performance can you get, can you gather as a, you know? No, you really can't. And I, you know, as we were, when I was in Cape May and, you know, Eric and Elise, uh, my brother and sister-in-law, they were doing a ton of them. Right. Um, and so that's, you know, that's happening. And I plan to do some too, because I have, actually, I was going to throw up on Facebook, uh, Probably when we get settled, but I have the I have a couple of screenplays that I would love to hear out loud. Yeah, for sure. And I realize that now with Zoom, like it's I can just get a bunch of people into a room and and Zoom it. Although it is, it's tough to do because of of the delay. It's not quite as easy as as it is for us. Yeah, well, of course, we also of you're toys. for the for the purpose of just hearing the words and knowing if it sounds like garbage or if you have something there. It's perfect. Right. You know, if you, if you think you're going to get any sort of like, you know, I was watching the Emmys last night and Mark Ruffalo said the following and, and it sounds so cheesy. It sounds like actor speak, but it's the truth. And we've talked about it on the podcast, actually. He said, you know, he dedicated his his Emmy to the rest of the cast because he says true great performances always happen between an between actor and actor in the room in the moment. And he's right. You know, you can plan, you can write the greatest thing, but if you don't get two people living in the moment, it's it's never going to reach its full potential. So uh, it's hard to get that on Zoom, <laughs> you know? It is, it is. Although it really depends on what your objective is. Like, because you can do chemistry on Zoom. It's what we do every week. Yes. Because Lord knows we don't want to see each other in person. Yes. We have no chemistry in person. But over Zoom, you know, we're, we get a little bit less of each other. And so we're less annoyed by each other. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, that's I mean, I believe you've really captured the essence of what makes this so yeah. special. But I am excited <laughs> to do, to do, uh, you know, to read those screenplays. One of them I'm a little nervous to put on the internet because it's it's a little treasonous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. The one we talked about. Yeah, on the that beach. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that but that one I will, I will I'm gonna get to. That's gonna be fun. Well, since all, right. all this time has passed, let's also to catch people up who who for some reason care about what's going on in our lives. I want to share that uh, this past weekend we went back to Philly because though we signed a lease, we never actually saw the apartment we're gonna live in. We saw a model, but we never actually walked into the. Oh, you never saw the actual apartment. And, you know, uh, my you know RGB passed away this weekend, and then as we're driving, we found out there was another loss in in Jen's family. And so it was kind of a, a, a terrible couple of hours. And then I was like, you know, these things come in threes. And we were just about to go visit this apartment. I was like, for all I know, it's going to reek like smoke. It's going to be moldy everywhere. It's just, I know it. Right. And thank goodness, 
It's beautiful. They replaced the carpets. They painted the, all the molding was replaced. It's brand all brand new appliances. It's oh, just oh cool. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, though now That's... I have to actually move, which is less exciting. You do have to move, but I I was there to uh, to feed your cats, your spoiled spoiled cats on Saturday, <laughs> yes. and like you guys have got a fair amount of packing done. Yeah, well, you know, we tried to do the opposite of you. We didn't want to overdo it early because I hate living out of boxes. So, oh yeah, we we definitely we are pretty much have been seventy percent packed since early August before you were actually moving, and we still don't have a moving date, right? Like. <laughs> but, but we are actually now but things are progressing right yeah things are progressing i don't want to jinx it clearly we jinxed it last time we jinxed it that's not the house anymore but we have a new house that we are uh we're in review right now so ideally tomorrow we'll be out of attorney review and it will be ours uh but we uh yeah here we go here we go to the uh suburban life if we can pull it off so it's it is the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. And especially uh, because of our income status right now, in order to get approved for the mortgage, we have to put down so much money that I want to slap myself. Some would say in. all of the money. We have to put down all of the money, more money than I've ever earned in my entire life combined. You know, that, that sort of money. What's funny is that, uh, you know, Maybe not funny. Funny is absolute, the absolute wrong word to say, but not a lot of things that are funny. You know, right to now. get the lease, since Jen's not working, we had to show, you know, you have to show X amount of times the right. rent, blah, blah, blah. Right, so right, I was right. able Same to get my company to send what my yearly salary would be if I worked actually full time. So I work oh. sort of at will, right? So I work as much as I want. And, it, you know, when you're work, when you're basically freelancing, it's, you know, those numbers are not always accurate, but. Well, that's a good gig. What's funny. Yeah, it's been a great gig. That's why I haven't left. Of course, no benefits. So you have to, you have to weigh that. Um, what are those? Yeah, right. So anyway, what I'm getting at here is that when I got the letter and I looked at what I make theoretically, I was <laughs> like. what you actually make? I was like, hot damn. I mean, we got the lease like that because it looks like I make all this money. And I was like, it's comical. The breadth of the valley between what it says I should make and what I actually make. So in the difference there, you can see numerically, financially, how lazy you are. Yeah, it's it's quantifiable, <laughs> as a matter of fact. It is literally quantifiable yeah. in dollars and cents. Wait, Keith, you know uh -huh. what I think I'd like to know? Since there's been such mm. a long time between seasons, you know, it's like HBO. You yes. barely forget what happened in season four since we take such a delay between seasons on our podcast. That's right, a full week. I think we should hear what our listeners have been up to and or saying in a segment we call... Oh, I see. Filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. I literally had a couple of things I planned to talk about in our opening thing. We talked about none of it, but it's it's fine. There, there, will answer. Answer. there will be a segue to each one of those things, I'm sure. Short answer, I'm sad about RBG. Oh, God, and, yeah. Uh, it's a bummer that Dylan Holland lost the Emmys, but that was fine. Anyway. Yeah, I thought that uh, Dylan was dressed to the nines. He looked real good about it. So, you know, it I, does. look, Schitt's Creek is one of my favorite shows, bar none. I, I think it is glorious. Was oh, it weird great. that they front loaded everything so that it won seven Emmys back to back to back? That was a little strange. But since you brought it up, I will say 
that was probably one of the most entertaining Emmys in recent memory. I actually enjoyed yeah, it. I thought it was great. I, I bet you uh, Eugene Levy like slipped him a 20 so they could get it out of the way, then yeah. they can get drunk before the end of the uh, episode. So yeah. polite. I love Canadians. Although that can, as a hockey guy, that Stanley Cup burn was a Ooh, burn. Shots fired. Wow. Yeah, well, the, uh, the Canadian, uh, Canadian hockey team has not won the Stanley Cup since 1993 when uh, the Montreal Canadiens beat the uh, Los Angeles Kings in the Stanley Cup finals why do i know that because my brain is weird but i remember that was a uh, wayne gretzky played for the uh the kings that year tux john leclerc scored hot. multiple what's that i was just singing your this tux is hot song from the outtakes of oh the... this tux is hot all right anyway what are we doing filings and yes. subpoenas all right well we had uh we heard heard from our our founding sponsor jennifer masanova who actually answered a question you asked a couple of weeks ago. And she said, I'm sorry, I'm listening so late. So yes, juries are happening. We were wondering what was going on with uh, the court system during COVID because I had jury duty and then it kind of got deleted by COVID, but apparently they are still happening. They are distancing and taking precautionary measures. And she sent a link to an overview, which you can find on our YouTube channel about what's going on with that. So thank you. Uh, I, I wonder if I'm going to uh, have to deal with that at some point. Although, unless something horrible happens, I will be moving out of this jurisdiction in a couple of months. So I will be a Jerseyite in a couple of months, and you'll be a Pennsylvaniaite again. I will. I just registered to vote, so... Oh, that's a good... Can you do that until you've before you've officially moved? It's a fraud! Your vote, it's, but if they just go in there and then make your dog to vote and your cat to vote. Well, I just wanted to make sure it was done. That's all. Yes. No, I have officially is... signed a lease, so so it is not voter That's fraud. That's true. No, and I, yeah, I have to figure out if I'm going to be in Jersey before. I think I'll probably still vote here in New York one last time. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. We also heard uh, from a... Uh, a friend on YouTube, uh, Dmitry Fedorov, says Eugene is best. Mm. It's hard. It's hard to argue. Eugene is best. I, I, you know, to be fair, I love all of our children equally, but you really, Eugene is the man. I clearly. see. Uh, uh, I just want to say to Dmitry Fedorov, and I don't want to make an accusation, although this is sort of a conspiracy theory. Uh, uh The day after uh, Dmitry posted his comment to our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I got hacked by Russians. Uh, I saw I saw an interesting charge on my credit card from Russia, and I, then I pursued it further and found that they were uh, every two minutes taking three dollars and sixty three cents out of my checking account, and it had been Whoa. going on for an hour and a half. So it was a slow leak, but it was going to be substantial. So I don't want to say that Dmitry is a Russian bot that hacked my. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. <laughs> that somehow through our podcast hacked my checking account, but uh, I might be implying it. Wow, that is a that is a Trumpian level uh, <laughs> bold accusation with zero. Uh... <laughs> That's where we live now, man. We don't need facts. I'm just going to make the accusation, and now it exists. Wow, wow, that is a, that's intense. That's crazy. They only got sixty I... bucks, but you know, Bank of America was cool. You know, for once, my bank helped me out, so thank you. Oh, that's good. 
Well, I actually had a uh, a friend of mine's Instagram account got spoofed mm. and created a duplicate. And so, uh, if you if you follow me on Instagram at Keith Varney, you can see the interaction that I had with my fake friend uh, who was trying to get me to, into some sort of a scam. So, but I I caught on quickly, and we had a very interesting conversation. Okay. Uh, also on Instagram, uh, Eric Highsmith. Talked about Marley Matlin saying gorgeous and great. No arguments here. Yeah. Indeed. And now we have something exciting this week. Uh, because we finally, after months of begging, pleading, cajoling, accusing our audience, we finally have a new... Where the hell is it? Here we go. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury. What say you? Well, I will tell you who says you. It is Teeners, who wrote, So cool. I never watched the practice when it was on, but I do love Full House, and we all know Gia is played by Marla Sokoloff. A friend recommended this podcast to me, and it's amazing. A friend, hmm. The hosts are so funny. Mike, hmm, is hilarious, and the way his personality and Keith's mesh is the best. Highly recommend. Now, if you would like to join the jury, and you're not a blood relative of one of our co-hosts, how would they do that? Well, you would question whether Mike's sister's name was Tina, and whether she was born in 1983 or not. Uh, both of the answers to those questions are yes. Uh, How about that? But you could also do so by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast listening service of your choice and then letting us know that you did so at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Well played. That's usually my speech and you nailed it. Well done. All right. I did not solicit it my is... sister to to do so. In fact, they were driving back from the shore some weeks ago and they said, oh, what's your podcast? We're going to listen to it on the road. So I don't know whether they've actually been listening to it or whether they were just throwing us a bone. Uh, but Thanks. Yeah, how about that? Well, when she finally catches up to this in 2030, <laughs> and she's dodging zombies while she's listening to this, uh, thanks. Thanks for the radio. So join our good friends on the jury. All right, you know what? It's time to hop back into the time machine to the season premiere of the practice season five. And this was aired on October 8th, the year 2000. We've gotten through our summer. I am back from Italy. You are back from your amazing uh, world wrestling yes, fight my, with your brother. My, my retirement match, as a matter of fact. Oh, that was it. Well, until we wrestle for season six. That's true. We did make a promise. We, you know, we keep our promises here. In fact, <laughs> yes. I actually started writing the uh, our finale finale episode oh my god that i don't know that i've been more excited than for that yeah so i have i have our concept all you know sort of built out in my How are head. we, we going to cast it via the internet or just call us some friends or, or what do you think well i think we should we'll probably just call in some friends but we could probably get some cameos by some of our uh some of our friends here on the pod okay i'm sure i i, I could definitely write like you know a witness or two for some of our regulars that would be kind of fun oh that's awesome and uh but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun i'm only like two pages in so we have some work to do yet but i'm uh i'm pretty psyched 
We'll have to get Jackie, anyway. Jackie on the horn. See if we can. Uh, yeah, right. I take it back. Get who? My my wife's friend Jackie, who may, oh. who may or may not be. Uh, oh, featured, right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, that would be. Oh, she Emmy Award totally nominee. Do. I'm sure she's got stuff. Nothing I, else to I'm, do. You know, she would do like a Law and Order, like cameo. You know, where they always like the cop arrives at your door investigating a murder, and like. I've got no time. Mm -hmm. I've got to wash this bowl. I have no time for this. Yep. Every single episode. It could be like Rosie. You know what I mean? It's, you can use her name that she's in the episode and then she's in half a scene. Totally. Totally. Not even. Uh, uh, but you have to cut the scene up. Right. <laughs> you only, you only film yeah. three minutes of footage, but you cut it into eight different sequences. Right. Yeah, so she's like, she reaches for a pencil. Then we cut back to Eugene. All right. We're, uh, what are we doing? Oh, yes. We are doing... This day in the basement. So we're talking about October 8th, the year 2000. What were you doing in well, the basement? Well, Keith, I had a little, I have a, name. a little bit of magic to do. Oh, yes, you did. I was performing in uh, the musical Pippin, and I was, uh, you know, performing. It was yes. great. It was actually a great time yes, because... Indeed. You know, every once in a while in life, you're having a down period, and you just need your ego stroked. And this was a, I would, let's say, community theater production in the basement of a church. And I was pretty talented in comparison to the majority of the people involved. Uh, so <laughs> wait, so that so that statement. Let's. Let, I think we should pick apart that. You can statement parse it, because, yeah. Because a that was a like a braggy statement, like I'm awesome. But on the other hand of that, you just shit on everybody who did that show. With. Not everybody. I said the majority. Uh, they're, as you the can majority see, of you are untalented. To the right there is my uh, dear friend, Carrie. Uh, we actually fell in love during the production here and we were we dated for uh, a year and a half or so. Oh, and, showmance. Uh, yes, indeed. And turned out we've ended up being just like really good uh, dear friends subsequently. Uh, and my friend Wesley, who I've talked about ad nauseum on the podcast, was also in the production. So, and there was uh, Mike Dees and Becky, uh, Becky so and so, I can't remember her last name, but all professional actors uh, moving forward. This was sort of a start for many of us. And yeah, so sure. there were some great, talented people on the show, but, you know, filled in the ensemble with, uh, you know, people who are not professionals. So I'm not, no, I'm not shitting on them. I'm just saying that it I'm was just a, teasing. It was obviously, a, yes, you're not. obviously. A stroke to the ego. Uh, you know, not only did, but did I receive a lot because I was playing the principal character? I received a lot of uh, accolades, and my family got to see it, and they were really proud, and so that felt really mm. good. And I made some dear friends, and then I started. This is also what jumped. This is how I got the music director. Actually, worked at that Drexel Hill Methodist Church where I told you I had sang for a while, which is what I'll spend my winter doing. And so it was just like a. It was an awesome experience, except this one thing, and this is not a surprise for anyone who's ever been in a community theater production. About three quarters through the rehearsal process, so we're pretty deep into it now, almost about to open, the director, like, had a, a, a screaming match with someone in the cast. I don't remember why, but then he just, like, stormed out and never came back. So, oh, no. like, the, the last quarter of the show was blocked and directed by just, like, a group effort. <laughs> we just sort of, like, I think I'll go over here. And it, it became just, like, this backyard 
Wow. Yeah, the, like brain think. It was a miracle that it actually, the show went up. But uh, yeah, Pippin was what I was doing, and it was a, a cool fall because of that. And, and also I met some wonderful people, so uh, yay. Yeah, no, I mean, I... I <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I tease you, obviously, because that's what I do. You but spent like, plenty of time being totally, a communicator, yeah. I spent tons of time. In fact, this is what I was doing the summer previous to this. So I was doing my, my Joseph production. Oh, right. And it's, it, it's, it's all the same thing. Like, it, it's really about the people. I mean, there's, there's so much talent out there. And I, people think that the only talented people are professionals. And the only talented performers are like, they're on Broadway or whatever. And yes, the people on Broadway are crazy talented, but they're not the only people out there who are talented. I know people who I've done community theater with who are every bit good, as good as the people working here. It's just a different life choice. Yeah, um, and, and, and I, it's another outlet as well, because you think of so many of those people, regardless of their talent, and many of them are very, very talented, but it doesn't matter because, you know, there's a subset of people a large, I'd say probably the majority of people who aren't in love with their career or don't love going to work every day or their life is yeah. humdrum and they've got stress or it's it, whatever it is, or had they had dreams of pursuing artistic careers, but then life, children, things get in the way and life takes sure. detours. That's life, baby. And, and so the fact that they, it, these community theater productions aren't really about the end result. It's about this group of people and this outlet, this creative outlet that so many people lose after their like high school, middle school years, they don't play an instrument or they don't have an outlet. And so there's this just this part of their soul that doesn't get to be expressed. And and so many people, this is such a vital part of so many people's lives, which is why, like you said, it's important that we remember that the arts doesn't just exist in the professional realm. We have to support it in schools. We have to support it in, in park and recs, in communities. It's, it's, in, it's vital. No, I, and, and I think community is exactly the right word mm. because what you create in these things is an actual community. You create a family on and off stage. And uh, I did a, a promo for a community theater that I used to work at way back in, in I just, just recently. And I talked about how integral it was to the city of Burlington and the people in it, both the audience, the performers on stage and off stage, really building some of the soul of a community in a town, whether it's a big town or a small town. Anyway, community theater, big fans. All right, moving forward, I will tell you what I was doing in October of 2000. This, I was beginning my junior year at opera school. Would you believe that I made it that far? I can believe uh, it, buddy. Just listen to that uh, most valuable lawyer and you'll know. Pshaw. Anyway, so junior year was the year we studied French, which I was the worst at. I was not good at all. Uh, but one of my classmates in my French class was Renee Fleming's mother. Very interesting. Whoa. Anyway, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Je suis poulet épaissi. No. Uh, I, I, I learned nothing. I'm I believe, so sorry. I believe I said I'm a spicy chicken, but I, I'm not sure that's what just happened. <laughs> it's the only French I know. You are a spicy chicken indeed. Anyway, so what I was actually doing, I was moving in with my girlfriend. Ooh, uh, spicy. We, we did not get 
an apartment yet. That was next year, but oh, we okay. got adjoining dorm rooms. Oh boy! And we basically built ourselves a little two dorm room apartment <laughs> in the Eastman dorms. Wow! It was Folks. so silly. Sc- the like, scandal. We- it's music school, please. Everything goes. Uh, but we like we made a couch out of two desk chairs that we put like a blanket over, and it was the most uncomfortable thing. And we also, and this is the part that that gets me. Like this is what you can do when you're twenty and not forty. We slept together in a twin bed all year, and shared a twin bed. It was really intense. So, uh, yeah, Quite we the were there. We, yeah, it's so, yeah, well, she was smaller than I was. That was good. But yeah, we literally sort of created our own little cute apartment uh, in the Eastman dorms. So that's what we were doing. I'll, I have pictures of it somewhere. I don't know what happened, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to it at some point. Okay. I'll just blur more of it. So uh, that's what I was doing. And it is now time it's time for the out of practice podcasts this day in the world the greatest hits the biggest movies headlines from vermont essential sports updates and for some inexplicable reason the weather from 20 years ago now back to keith and mike all right in october 2000 our ears were tuned to here it goes Of course, this is music by Madonna. <laughs> a, a cover of it. Hey, Mr. Oh. DJ. Music makes the bourgeoisie start to rev. Okay. Wow, you picked yeah. a really obscure cover here. <laughs> a it's death a, metal cover? Keith, my neck is too old for this. Oh, oh my god, I'm far too old. I literally already had a pulled out neck. Me too. So my niece Because I'm 40. My niece's 11th birthday was this past weekend, and we went, uh, and her and her friends were all doing uh, cartwheels and round-offs. And I took, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, I took gymnastics up until I was like 15. I was pretty, pretty skilled. No. I can't do any of it anymore. I can't do the back tuck, any of that. But I can still pull off a pretty decent round off. So I thought. So so as <laughs> I knew I wasn't stretched or warmed up, but I knew mm. I could do it if I just, and I couldn't be embarrassed in front of these kids. So I threw everything I had into it. And let me tell you, that was a mistake. I can't I, move. I believe that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I believe that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you, you know what I did? I, I just slept. Mm-hmm. You moved. And that's what really did yeah. me in. I walked that was, uh, one place. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, speaking of 40, like, we're coming up on your birthday soon, right? We are, are you November? November 13th. And uh, I'll I'll remind you only because I did go full out on your birthday, so... You did. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm going to have to figure out how, that, how we're going to do that. So, uh, guys, write in with ideas. We'll, we'll come up with something, uh, what was something fun for Mike's 40th. Anyway, but 20 years ago on our 20th If you got one of those sweet, sweet PlayStation 5 pre-orders, you could maybe help me out because I could not get one. Oh, all right. Yeah, you're a PlayStation. I'm an Xbox guy. What are the chances that one of our 13 listeners uh, works for Sony? Probably not great. (laughs) Probably not great. 
Uh, anyway, we were watching back in 2000, as we stay on topic, sort of. We were going to see Meet the Parents. Oh, you can milk me, Falker? Yes, indeed. Came out and made $28 million. Uh, oh, I have a last thought on the Madonna. The music video features Sasha Baron Cohen in his Ali G character. Oh, I love that If show. you'd believe that. Crazy. Anyway, the local Burlington Free Press uh, talked about Israel gives an ultimatum to Arafat, to Yasser Arafat. Mm. So uh, glad we've solved all of that. Uh, just like all of the rest of our problems that we find on in our history. And now, it's time for... It's time, it's time, time, time. It's time for sports. In week six of NFL action, the New York football giants took down the Atlanta Falcons 13-6 in the Georgia Dome, boosting their record to a solid 4-2. Kerry Collins out to a former giant Danny Cannell and Chris Chandler. The QBs threw for a combined 400 yards, no touchdowns, and four interceptions in what must have been a scintillating game. Meanwhile, the Washington former races' names took down the Eagles 17-14 at Veterans Stadium, dropping Philly to 3-3. Three and three. I wrote too much. Copy. It happens. Wait till you, wait till the next, in the next minute when I show you what too much copy actually is. Oh, oh, when we do, uh... Cut it! Weather. What? Cut it! What? There will be no weather this week. Oh, Trust no. me, it was the beginning of fall. My guess is that it was on the cooler side since <laughs> it was October. Way to science that. Yes. Uh, but I would like to do, Keith, I'd like to bring back for season five, I said when there was an, an interesting case for back in time true crime, uh, oh, that we oh, would talk shit. about it. And, All right, uh, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me move my microphone. And though so I, I did not, I did not... Uh, have time to pull one up this week i got an email from founding sponsor jorge navoa who uh no kidding. who who wanted to highlight a case that i thought you and i would enjoy because it's bonkers on sunday october 8th 2000 at 2 a.m phoenix dispatcher responded to a 911 call wendy adriano at 30 years old reported that her husband joe was having a heart attack but when the paramedics got, paramedics got there, she refused to let them in, Keith, explaining that Joe, who at 33 was battling a rare terminal cancer, had a do not resuscitate order. Paramedics had no choice but to respect his wish to die in peace, and they left. But the same paramedics returned, however, when an hour later, just an hour later, Wendy called 911 again. This time, she let them enter. Inside, Keith, they found Joe lying on the floor dead, surrounded by a pool of partly dried blood. Wendy claimed self-defense. She was nevertheless arrested. And after all, the, the autopsy had confirmed that Joe had eaten soup that she'd made laced with pesticide. After that, for the impatient Wednesday, poison did not do her husband's cancer. It proved too slow a death. Or else paramedics got too fast, Wh whichever. Joe had still been breathing. She turned them away, and Wendy picked up a bar stool. She beat him over the head with it, not once, not twice, but 23 times. Then she stabbed him in the neck. Only when she was certain that he was dead did she call 911, insisting that Joe, despite undergoing chemo, had actually tried to kill her first. While first-degree murder, murder was her only charge, she was looking at a potential death sentence. Keith, four years later, the trial actually began. He would, the, the prosecutor was DA Juan Martinez, who would later achieve infamy for prosecuting Arizona's most notorious defendant, Jody Arias. 
After three months, the trial ended on November 9, 2004, when the jury found Wendy guilty. The sentence was death. As of now, 20 years later, after the murder of Joe Adriano, there is no updates on her appeal, making Wendy one of three women only in Arizona currently awaiting execution. So, I don't think you heard that, but the craziest thing just happened during my underscoring. Okay, I'll, I'm tell sure me. that was a fascinating uh, uh, thing. I, I can't, I can't focus when you're talking. Right, right. I'll, I'll hear it on the on the loop. But while I was playing, I started hearing piano music on top of it. Right. Uh huh. And it was the same style of music, because I forgot to delete the track from the last time we did this. Oh, so it started playback of last week's. Piano music. So you chose the same key. Uh, no, different key, I think. But the weird part was, it was the exact same time. We are 36 minutes into the episode. Huh. And we started that segment within like two minutes of itself. Well, to summarize for you, Keith, here's this girl, this lady, right? She clearly wants her husband dead. So she poisons him by putting a pesticide in his soup thinking that uh, nobody would ever find that out. And she could just, when the paramedics showed up, she's like, you know what? He's got cancer and he wants to die alone at home. So the paramedics said, okay, and they left. But then he still took too long to die. So she hit him with a bar stool 23 times and stabbed him Ah. in the neck and then called the paramedics. And then then as they're on their way, she realized, oh, wait, I'm going to have to explain that he's been stabbed in the neck and hit with a bar stool 23 times. And though he was weak, frail, and dying of cancer, claimed self-defense. Luckily... Uh, the jury was not fooled, and she is sentenced to death in Arizona. Yeah, okay. Well, so a uh, message to CEO Jen. Patience. <laughs> we don't have any bar stools yet, so if we do go to yeah. Ikea, I'll make sure to get, like, uh, breakaway ones. Yes, <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. So when your, you know, more ample friends come over and visit, uh, I'll go right through your bar stool. Mm-hmm. Ample. Ample. Yes, that's that's sort of I'm going with. Okay, well, this has been uh, this has been a lot. This has been fun. And I'm now, a human being. God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. All right, we are finally talking about the season premiere of The Practice. This is season five, episode one, summary, judgments. You know, I should also point out, oh, you know what? I have a request. Okay. I don't don't have a button, but I have, we're talking about reaching out to our audience for help. Instead of a PlayStation, uh, I have an actual request for this season of the Out of Practice podcast. And I don't even know uh, if it is available in any way, shape, or form. Okay. But coming up in a few episodes, we are going to have a special crossover episode. Okay. uh, For season five, which is super, super fun. That was early. Uh, Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My bad. You didn't didn't think this was going to happen. Nope. but we are going to be crossing over with a show that only lasted one season and therefore is not, uh, hold on. I have to pull out. Here we go. Uh, 
It was a show called. Oh, you referenced this uh, in season Crossing. one. Crossing. Yes. Yes, it is a show called Gideon's Crossing, and it was an like an Andre Brower medical show, and we crossed over with it in season five, episode eighteen. All right. And I cannot, for the life of me, find this show anywhere. Mm. I can't find it streaming. I can't find like a DVD of it. I can't find anything. So in order for us to do our season five properly, we somehow need to get a copy of, of the only season of Gideon's Crossing, specifically the episode that our heroes showed up on. Did they make a DVD? So, Nothing. They've released it nowhere. I, not that I can find. I mean, it was 20 years ago and it only lasted one season. So I don't know if they would bother to commercially release a, a DVD of that. I'm sh it was streaming at some point online, but obviously it isn't now. All right, so if we're going to so, make the request, let's give them as much information as possible. Okay. So uh, let me pull up. We are looking for Gideon's Crossing. Hold on, let me get on. It was on ABC in the year 2000. And it had... Uh, what is the name of the episode they were at? Flashpoint. It was the episode entitled Flashpoint. It aired on March 12th, 2001. So if anybody has a copy of that episode in any way, shape, or form, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. And you will get... You will get... You know, we will, we will make you your own out-of-practice Make and ship your own out of practice T-shirt. Okay, all right. Only two exist right now, so only two exist. So we will make a third T-shirt that we will send your way. And one you... has shrunk so much that it can't even fit onto my body. So that's a shame. Yeah, well, and uh, I, I, one of them, uh, my body expanded, so it doesn't <laughs> fit on. It's perfect. Anyway, yeah, we have we actually have two crossovers this season. Oh, I'm so pumped. We also have a Boston Public crossover. Does our entire coming. cast make it through this season? I'm very worried. I can't tell you that. I cannot tell you that. But mm. I can tell you that this episode entitled Summary Judgments was written by David E. Kelly, of course, and directed by Arvin Brown, who mm -hmm. last directed the episode Settling. Which leaves us with only one thing to do before we hop over to your favorite podcasting segment, and that is... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, you know, it's the beginning of the season. I, I don't know. I mean, Bobby and Lindsay, how much time has passed? Are we at, are we still uh, on the honeymoon or what's happening? And, and somehow there's a swing set and we've got a hand and, and a stone, it looks like. So I'm going to say this. Mm. Bobby and Lindsay aren't in the episode because they're on their honeymoon, but we do see a we do see them oh. somewhere tropical, wonderful, swinging on a swing set together because that's how carefree their love is. 
Hmm, maybe a shirtless Bobby. Oh, for sure. I mean, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. <laughs> shirtless. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we are going to have uh, a, an indigenous uh, tribe of Native Americans who are upset that one of their religious uh, iconography type, uh, uh, this stone monument in, one, in some area is being desecrated there was a murder committed on this like Stonehenge type thing, and so our our firm has to defend the murderer against these indigenous. <laughs> I feel I feel as though I've lost the thread. <laughs> wow, we are we. You know what? I declare it now. Season five is the season of. Big swings yes. in the what does Mike think is going to happen segment. So uh, at one point, the jury and the cast take a trip to the monument and they all lay hands mm -hmm. on the stone. And that is <laughs> that is what I think is going to happen this week. Wow. OK, well, uh, is this the moment I tell you <laughs> that the stone is actually just Lindsay's knee, and what we have in the background there is the logo and their promo shot. So that's just her hand and her knee in the backdrop of the picture. Wait, so it's not part of the the? No. Why is it so highlighted then? Why isn't it black? That like, the Why is the opacity so high? Well, it wouldn't. Well, because that's a. It's basically the the TV screen from our logo. But it's just, it's being blocked by us. It would be very clear what it was. Oh, okay. Well, I, it definitely looks like it's the Easter egg. So uh, so it's just the swing set then. Just the swing set. It's just the swing set. All right, so forget so about the indigenous, no indigenous Native, Native American. Tribe stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, we're going to go ahead and watch the episode now. So you can go ahead and click that link. See, now, now look at the logo there. See? It's uh, just the bottom of the logo. Yeah, yep, yep. I'm telling you, you're right. <laughs> I'm telling you. You gotta you gotta opacity out that more or whatever the verb of that is. <laughs> Click the QR code, jump to the episode, listen to us talk about the indigenous tribe and their Stonehenge. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Stonehenge. We know they don't have the budget to go to any sort of location, so I don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Oh. And, and we'll be oh. back uh, after this episode of The Practice. Wow. Season 5, Episode 1, Summary Judgments! <laughs> oh, those dreamy blue eyes. He's not on the swing, though. Oh, Bobby's no. at Damn, I'm wrong already. Is he at Stonehenge? Well, I mean, there are stone walls. That's true. He's still just a stone-cold fox. And... Looks like he's lost some weight, if that's possible. He's very spelt. Because he was very fat before, as you know. Hey! One last Big guest star in the opening season! Guy who, I guess, could potentially be an indigenous Native American. Casting was different then. <laughs> keep trying keep trying you know you may you still may be right it's possible you're still right uh but in the meantime it's bruce davidson who of course is an oscar nominee 
for Longtime Companion, an Emmy nomination for Touched by an Angel, you might recognize him as the congressman from the X-Men series, also in Shortcuts, The Crucible. He works all jobs. This guy has 269 IMDb credits. So he goes from giant movies in which, like X-Men movies and Oscar-nominated movies, he also does Star Trek fan films. He was in the Harry and the Hendersons TV show. And on Enterprise, he played Manos in The Seventh, and on Voyager, he played Jareth in Remember. Pre-trial. Oh, well, get ready for that statement. one this week. Scott, if I'm unsuccessful. No, 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 I'm not taking manslaughter, Bobby. Please don't ask me that again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hashtag rage issues. Massachusetts. I'm Go sorry. for Massachusetts. it. Massachusetts. Massachusetts, Massachusetts, the Massachusetts, 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 Massachusetts. Chew that scenery, Bruce Davidson. Okay, you understand the risks. You know, we have continued the West Wing, Jen and I, and I've quoted the term the stop and turn because the West Wing is famous for it looks like the dialogue's over or somebody's leaving the room and then they stop, turn, and the scene continues for another minute or two. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's it's almost like the Matlock, like one more thing. Right. So this, in the practice, they do the, the rage oh, and calm. The rage and calm, where somebody freaks out to show that they've got rage issues, but then they're like, they take a breath and they calm down and continue the scene. I'm at an 11! Mike, we've got to finish this episode! Look, we've really got to finish this episode. We can't do this all we, uh, we go in the morning. We argue the motion. Trial starts after lunch. Eugene will be with me. Yeah, you will. I keep having this uh, the dream where everybody wakes up and comes to their senses. I mean, Karen's even in it. She's no, Karen's dead. dead. Yep. We have a yep. solid shot if we can shut down this videotape. Oh, hey, yeah. See this? Fiji. You know... We live in a time now where once something's on the internet, you're screwed because that shit ain't ever getting deleted. You're... Oh, absolutely. But how easy did they have it back then? I can't believe how many criminals got caught on VHS doing something stupid. It's so easy to just delete or burn a VHS tape. Come on, guys. It's going to get worse. Product placement here. Although it's That's blurred out, so does that count? out of that courthouse. Huh? Oh, Fiji. He's going right to a travel Fiji. agent. Ten days, I'll be. Is there a Stonehenge in Fiji? Beach. No, but I've been there, buddy, and it is stone cold beautiful. Look at me, Scott. Look at me. If that videotape is admitted, I believe you will be convicted, probably of second degree murder. You know who else is going to commit second-degree murder? Sorry to stop the episode again, but I just want to point out that it's a nice fall day, and so we have our windows open, and I have a noise yeah. gate on, so you can't hear it, but the ice cream man has decided to park directly outside of my apartment. And so this entire episode, I will be listening to the practice intently, but I will also be listening to the Pop Goes the Weasel song. Yeah, so by the end of this episode, I might be the one committing second-degree murder. 
or you, you might get some ice cream. Hmm. That's a good. That's also a good point. Yeah. Carries a life sentence. So Karen was his wife. You will not. Karen was be his wife. Yeah. Do you get that? Not going Season to Fiji. Nine. All right, but let it run. Let it run. Okay. Because we have some updated footage in our intro. We saw a new oh. shot of Bobby. Lisa Gay gets some new footage. Finally doesn't have her from season one hair. In no the remix, opening. though. No remix. No, no, no. This is what we are going with. And look, oh, Jason Kravitz. Jason Kravitz has officially joined the cast. Wow, that's big news for him. It, it's a really big deal. So here, congratulations. Marla, New footage for Marla, but Jason Kravitz has officially joined the cast. All it took was to win one one, uh, one case and send our Marley Matson, <laughs> Marley Matley into prison forever. That's true, good job. Oh, there's the swing set, Keith. There's the swing set. But it's roped off. It looks like uh, behind a fence. Okay. Got Lindsay and Eleanor. This thing at was the built set. to bring children joy. And Lindsay's it's toxic. got a sort of a shorter bob Come this on. season. Which I like. I like that hair. The fact that they called for the meeting, that they're coming to us, it's a very good sign. How much? We have no idea. Well, nothing is good enough for what they did to our kids. Of course not. But you have to remember, if we go to trial, we will want your son to take the stand and talk about his seizures. We'll need your daughter to talk about her motor problems. And your youngest son may have to discuss his learning disabilities and the humiliation that he suffered. So this feels to me like... Those couple of people! People who must be important enough for Keith to cut me off mid-sentence? I thought you were setting them up. I didn't no. know you were going to go in a different direction. It feels like we're doing... I was. Oh, I'm going first then. It feels All like right. we're going to do that thing where we always do where every once in a while we have to like do some big lawsuit against like big pharma or big it seems to me like class action. Yeah, there's there yes, well said legally. Uh look like their kids <laughs> have they're going to sue somebody cuz their kids have these issues. It's what it sounds like. Uh there's a as a good chance. There's a good chance. All right. So these parents are Steve Rankin from Pearl Harbor, Men in Black, LA Confidential, on Enterprise, he was Colonel Green in Demons, and these are the voyages. On Deep, Deep Space Nine, he was Yato in Invasive Procedures, and a Cardassian officer in Emissary, and on Next Generation, he was Patak in The Enemy. Wow, so much Unnecessary Star Trek, Star Trek reference. And his wife is played by Lucinda Jenny from Rain Man, Practical Magic, Thinner, G.I. Jane, The Shield, and Thelma and Louise. God, I loved G.I. Jane. Maybe I just liked Demi more at the time. Can't tell. Mm, yeah, we all did. We've talked to them, Eleanor. They're ready. The number Eleanor and I think is reasonable is 160 per child. It seems low. Of course, nothing can make up for your children's injuries. But the present-day value of that is probably around 240 if you figure in an appeal. And given our problems proving liability, that would be an excellent settlement. We're not sure we can get that, but that's our number. I feel like he can. 
You might have to show some mid midrift to a convicted felon in jail, but Boo. Ooh, that oh, you think I killed there. her? Here's the tape. What are you crazy? I don't think you intended to kill her. Tape. I really don't. So what do you say? Mr. Wallace, things will go much better for you if you cooperate. We think you had an argument. You hit her. Maybe by accident. She was unconscious. You were afraid of how it might look. You put her in the car to make it look like a suicide. It's what happened, isn't it? Ellen Gamble getting that confesh. It's one o'clock in the morning in this confession tape. On September 7th, 99, so about a year previous to the episode being filmed. My client was in shock at the time of this interrogation. He had just found his wife dead less than an hour before this. First of all, he was read his rights. It isn't about that. He was suffering severe traumatic distress. He wasn't fully processing all the stuff being thrown at him here. And that tape makes it look like he was acquiescing to something when he wasn't. He was just under shock. You can certainly argue that, counsel. Your Honor, if the jury sees that tape, the prejudice alone... He certainly had the presence of mind to give us a nice co... Bobby's wearing that sweet, sweet wedding uh, wedding ring. He sure is. And you know who's looking at it? Who's that judge? Who's that judge? Guys, it is the season premiere, so we are we have guest stars for days. And of course, that voice you might recognize as Daniel Davis, who did a gazillion episodes of The Nanny. He was the butler on The Nanny. He was also in The Prestige, Hunt for Red October, Dynasty, Cheers, and of course, Phoenix, I know you've already picked it up. He plays Moriarty on Next Generation, Elementary Dear Data, and Ship in the Bottle. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Well, he plays Professor Moriarty. Of the he gave you the Dear truth. Data, All right. I'll allow the videotape for impeachment purposes. And those are only. always Your Honor, that episodes, will effectively right? prevent my client yeah. from testifying. There's no such thing. It only means if he testifies, he does so with some risk. I object to this. Your objection is noted. The ruling is final. Short-haired Bobby again. Yep. All right. So they were not Offer able to service? suppress the videotape if it comes up. Oh, thanks. So now so, Helen and Jason Kravitz are, are in. Uh, Jason Pickle. Well, if you take the stand, the tape Bay? comes Richard in. Bay. And I Richard. don't know how we win this without you getting in that chair. Now, I can explain that tape. Now, I, it was like you said, I was in shock. Now, I can convince the jury of that. I'm going to recommend manslaughter one Keith, We're only a few minutes time. into this episode, but this guy looks like he no. done did it. He sure does. So, but there's an, there's an important like idea. legal distinction here that we should, that they're working on here. Manslaughter the, versus premeditated? Uh, no, it's actually about the tape because we were talking about nonsense. What that motion was about was whether or not to suppress the tape. He was not able to suppress the tape, but there, uh, it seems like they're only going to be able to show that tape to the jury if he testifies, if the defendant testifies. So, but there's no way he can sort of do this without testifying, like to get off without testifying. So I think that's the position they put themselves in. A polygraph? I'm willing to box him. If we both stipulate to the admissibility, the judge will allow us to introduce the results. Bobby, do I have the word dope stamped on my forehead or is it just that you know me? 
Obviously, if you've come to us asking that we give your client a lie detector, you've already given him one and he passed. We've given him five with four different technicians and he's passed every one. He took it five times? And passed every one. Suppose he fails ours. You willing to stipulate to admissibility? Right now. Wow, that's that's balls on the block right this there. This man yeah. is innocent. For both of them, really. You know, sorry, tactical question. So I wonder if, and my guess is no, but I wonder if, let's say, you know, we talk about on this podcast all the time that how the scientific, there's no science that really backs up polygraphs, right? And that's how it's sort of viewed in the court. You know, it's not, it's, it's always sort of this Hail Mary type of thing. Or at least dubious, or just like, it's not proven. Yes, it doesn't prove anything legally. There's a, there's a hard thing of skepticism around it. And so let's say that a, a, a DA, let's say Helen in this case, g goes ahead and stipulates to the lie detector. And, you know, and let, let's say that in this case it helps them and, and he fails it and she says, well, they, they wanted it and here it is, the polygraph, and he failed it and that helps our case. Right. In future cases, if she was trying to, to rail against the polygraph, as a DA would do, could, could, could a defense attorney say, hey, in this previous case, you were all about it. You want you you were four polygraphs then, but now you're not. Like, can you bring other the the, the... yes because they bring the defense. I, they... I think so. Yeah, because like case precedent is a big part of legal stuff. Although I don't know if it's you could like a person's precedent. Like you have used this as opposed to the ruling was such and such. Right. Good question. Yeah. A better podcast. I've never done this before. Done what? Traded on our personal relationship, Helen. All you do? That people I murdered. I never asked for a favor on the basis of our friendship. I'm doing it here, and I've earned it one time, Helen. Except for murdering somebody. So is Bobby old friends with that guy, did they say? Now you trust yes, of course he's old friends with that guy. If he passes, kick it. You want to run that by me again? Our case is circumstantial. Hey, hey you want to run me by? He has passed a polygraph. Oh my God, it's Anna Devere Smith. If they keep giving us guest stars, we're never, literally, ever going to finish this episode. We're never going to finish this episode because that the new boss of Helen and Richard is Anna Devere Smith. From, of course, the West Wing. You're literally watching her yep. right this very minute. The She's human stain, National the Security American... Defense, uh, whatever that is called. National Security Advisor. Mm -hmm. She's also from the American President, the Kingdom, and Nurse Jackie. She is also a playwright and performer. She does a lot of solo plays that she writes and performs, including Twilight Los Angeles 1992 and Fires in the Mirror. She is nominated for a Pulitzer and two Tony Awards as a writer and performer. Awesome. This you know, is Richard, a heavy hitter. Richard Bay has been in every scene with Helen, and I don't know that he's opened his mouth yet. No, he once he got himself into the credits, he doesn't need to talk. There's no under and over five oh, cool. for him, so he can. He's he's a regular over cast member. Over. His lawyer is willing to box him with our own polygraph. Helen, the trial starts in two hours. I realize that, Kate. And you want to what? Put out a release saying. Oops. If this man did not commit the crime, I'm not going to secure a conviction it's simply to avoid a public relations nightmare. I just... Look, I saw that interrogation. 
Maybe he was disoriented like, like he it. says. You've I know, got it's weird. motive. There's forensics. The whack on the head. They were heard fighting. Nobody described the woman as remotely suicidal. The man did it. I don't care if he passed 50 polygraphs. I'm not so sure. Well, let me make it easy for you. You're prosecuting this case. Such a weird term. But I think it goes one. without saying, but I'll say it anyway. This offer in no way admits to any liability on the part of the Environmental Protection Agency. We realize that. What's the number? Twenty thousand dollars. Eleven dollars. Oh. Twenty thousand. A piece. Times three. That's sixty thousand. More than the case is worth. And we're only offering it to avoid the publicity that this hearing might generate. We have children with severe learning disabilities. Motor skills... Look, even if that thing is toxic, the government didn't manufacture it. Yes, that's been your argument, but you lost the 12B6, you lost the Federal Tort Claims Act. I don't think we'll lose at summary judgment. Did they say what we... Was it like a sewage spout by the swing set? Uh, no, it is a uh, treatment on the wood of the swing set which has leached into the ground and uh, poisoned folks. Uh, so, but I think it's an there's an interesting distinction in this case because they are not suing the swing set manufacturer or EPA. the manufacturer of the stain. They're, they're going to the actual EPA, uh, which is interesting. And while we're at it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. This uh, lawyer number one is played by David Startzik. From Lost, Veronica Mann, Veronica Mars, Desperate Housewives, Mad Men, and Mr. Sterling. The other lawyer is John Prosky. From True Blood, Scandal, Straight Outta Compton, Medium. And on Voyager, he played Otrin in Friendship 1. And on Deep Space Name 9, he played Brotha in For the Cause. So Unnecessary much. Star Trek. Have you been drinking, Keith? I have not. I have not pulled a Mike and Deglio <laughs> drink through the uh, through the episode like last time. Uh, can you, you imagine how bad I would be on Monday, if I were and then drinking? again this morning that a serious yes, offer was coming in? The figure represents <laughs> the maximum authorized can. by the agency. So then why are we talking? Because we have faith that logic eventually seeps into even the most hard-headed of craniums. Get out! You're obligated to take the offer to your clients, Miss Frutt. However much your firm might end up out of pocket, ethically, you are required to present this offer to the plaintiffs. Thank you, Mr. Myers. Our clients are low-income parents whose children have lifelong handicaps due in part to the agency you represent. You have the indecency to come in here and tell us that their injuries are worth only 20 thousand dollars and then to add to that insult you are lecturing me on ethics hell yeah get the hell out of here before i throw you out hell yeah i just want season oopsies keith in another universe you and i were those two guys in this show and you're oh, tilting at the wrong awesome. windmill this time you haven't You're still thinking the wrong run wing well this but you know, um. Keith, can I get you another drink? <laughs> I think I just need a snack. Good lord. Look out, Keith! Look out, Keith! I'm looking around the room for things I can eat, and I have like melatonin and lemon pledge. I don't think either one of those <laughs> is a good idea. Well, you could probably get a good settlement. 
Eat oh, that veg. Eleanor's pissed off. I just went to the bathroom and threw up. We gotta tell the clients. We should go there again. You can't beat yourself, oh, Jimmy. Eleanor. It's a miracle you got it this far. This is my first line in this season. Season five, I already forgot my pop filter, so welcome to my breath. Hmm. Why is she so distraught? I don't know. When I arrived, the defendant was sitting right out on the driveway. He seemed very despondent. Inside the garage, we found the victim, face down on the floor next to the vehicle, bleeding slightly from the back of the head. She was dead? Yes. There was a garden hose taped to the exhaust pipe leading to the rear passenger side window. It appeared to be a suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. Did you run prints on the garden hose? We found prints matching the victim and the defendant. You said Mr. Wallace seemed despondent. Could he have possibly been in shock? Possibly. Man. Did my client tell you that he pulled the hose out of the car? Yes, he did. And that he pulled his wife from the vehicle? He said that, yes. I was walking my dog at 9.30, and I heard him All screaming right. at his wife from inside the house. That detective who we just heard from. He definitely looks familiar, but I couldn't put my finger on just who he is. That is Zach Grenier from The Good Wife, Deadwood, Fight Club, Ray Donovan, and six different characters on Law & Order. And while we're at it, the next two witnesses... Spoiler alert, there's going to be two more witnesses are played by Michael Spound and Tim Lobinos. Lobinos? Are you sure you heard Possibly. Scott Wallace? Lounabos? I'm 100% sure. Lounabos. He's Lounabos. my neighbor. I know I what his voice sounds like. And I was about 20 feet from his front door. He and Jill Is were it both weird? Does it look like the resolution got a bump this season? Do you know what about? No. But that I found out really later she question. was planning to leave him. Objection. Because I know they started Sustained. filming an HD, sure this was but Hulu doesn't have the HD feeds, which I've already tweeted them about. I think season six started when they were started broadcasting in, uh, in HD, but because, it might have been season five, but Hulu does not have them. Huh. It's it, because I can see freckles. I could never see. Like, Bobby's got freckles everywhere. Helen's freckles are much more, like, freckles are apparent where they've never been before. Yeah, well, there it is. We're going to have to see if we can get the HD feeds. This is annoying. That Around 9.30. Positive. That's when I walk my dog every night. One last thing. You said you could recognize the defendant's voice. You could recognize his screaming voice? Yes. You heard him scream before? Many times. He and his wife had a lot of nasty screaming fights. Once we even called the police. You called the police that night? No. You hear any signs of violence? No. In fact, you heard nothing that caused you any sense of alarm. Well, I... You didn't feel the need to intervene? No. There were shed skin cells point, on the Eugene. victim's head, neck. DNA analysis revealed an exact genetic match. With who? The defendant. We also analyzed a skin fragment found under the defendant's fingernail. Were you able to identify it? It was a genetic match to the victim. If my client were trying to resuscitate the victim, it's possible that shed skin cells could get on the victim's head and neck, 
Right, Doctor? That's possible, yes. And while trying to save her, it's possible that a piece of her skin could get under his fingernail, right? That might be less likely. I'm asking you, is it possible? Of course. And all this DNA evidence we're talking about, it could have come as a direct result of my client's efforts to save his wife. Isn't that right, Doctor? That's not what I think happened. But it's possible. Yes, it is. Thank you. I like this tactic. Yeah. Also, Bobby is wearing the best suit he's worn in all five seasons. Can't believe it. Season five budget. We were just as shocked as you were. I thought it was going to be a substantial offer. Didn't they tell you that? They intimated that we would be very happy. Yes. Our suspicion is they did that to lull us a little, thinking if we were expecting settlement, we really wouldn't prepare that hard for their motion. Were they right? Hell Absolutely yeah. not. We're very ready. Oh. After what they did to our children. He's like, yeah, man, we totally fucked that. The hearings tomorrow. If we win, we think their numbers will come What do you think my new do? I have I like to be it. honest and say that I am very I'm disappointed pissed. with the two of you. We had a few people tell us that we should have never hired you, that you, you didn't have the resources to. But we like. We took down See, the tobacco company. Yeah, that doesn't ring true because they have gotten two set two settlements of multi multi millions of dollars. That's right. Jimmy got one. Mm -hmm. Lindsay got one. Have you been watching the series at all, yeah, buddy? Come on. There's a podcast if you need to catch up quickly, <laughs> or very slowly. Well, right now I feel deceived. Do you have much games. more slowly? Yeah. I feel like you promised things to get the case, things which you obviously can't deliver. David just found some pages from season two that he hadn't that? put into the show yet, so. When we took this case, we thought we would be suing the manufacturer of that play gym. That was a much stronger case. Then when we discovered both that company and the, the chemical company no longer existed, your case was basically over until Eleanor came up with the idea to sue the EPA. She beat them in the motion to dismiss. She got through the administration level, earning the right to keep going. I'm sure there are other firms out there that could have gotten it this far, but the reality is they wouldn't have tried. Most lawyers would have dropped this case as soon as they found the, the manufacturer to be non-existent. But Eleanor and me with her kept going out of commitment to you. Way to stick up for your buddy. Maybe here, we failed. But I take exception to the suggestion that it was a mistake to hire us. It's a much better look than when they're like literally brawling in the Beating each other room. on the conference room. Disappointed. That's all. We all are. Good tear. Mm -hmm. Right at the cut. Let's just do our best at summary judgment and hopefully we'll survive to get this to a jury. Very loud B-roll. Cause of death so was monoxide poisoning. What about the bleeding from the back of her head? That contusion was the result of being struck with a blunt object. I feel you like said blunt instrument. Could that instrument be a cement floor? Yeah. If she fell on the garage floor, this hitting Charlie the back J. of her Garrett. head, could that have caused the trauma we're talking about? A fracture like that couldn't have happened by someone simply falling down. If my client discovered his wife in the car, he grabbed her, pulled her out, and as he was pulling her out, her head crashed onto the floor. Objection. Overruled. Doctor. If my client discovered his wife in the car unconscious, pulled her out, causing her head to hit the floor, could that have caused the fracture we're talking about? It's a possibility. Thank but you, I... doctor. 
That's all. Miss yeah. Gamble. Wait, what happened to the polygraph? Polygraph. I was just going to ask you, did I miss Kyle something? So they that was just like a I don't want to call it a red herring, but just like a plot thread that went well, nowhere. I, yeah, they could have made that more clear because like if their boss said no, don't do the polygraph, which I think is probably what happened, mm -hmm. that could have been more clear. Barrett. This seems like a good time to call it a day. We'll begin with Mr. Barrett in the morning. Get Mr. Barrett to my office now. He's gonna walk. He still doesn't get the doc. I'm not saying that, but. But what? He killed my sister. Don't tell me now that Mr. He's... Barrett. This guy as too. As we have explained from the start, it's our case Lane is hugely Davies circumstantial. From Supernatural, we had Lois and Clark. We to be able to introduce the videotape interrogation. Oh, Lois and Clark. That's right. And you can't. Not ah. unless we get him on the stand. This will only happen if his lawyers think he's losing, which I'm sure they don't think right now. Case has gone pretty well for them. The only witness that we have left that can put them in the necessary hole is you. Which means when we ask you, did your sister seem suicidal, a response of, I didn't think so, isn't going to do it. Also, to the extent that you talk about anything your sister told you, that's hearsay. But under the law, one of the ways around the hearsay rule is an exception called the state of mind. Richard. Basically, if Whoa. you can say she wanted to start a new life. Richard. Mr. Bay is Mr. cooking. Barrett, we certainly don't mean to put words in your mouth, nor would it be permissible yes, for us to do so. But you need to realize, unless you do damage, Scott Wallace probably won't testify, in which case he could, in fact, go free. You knew your sister, sir. Jason, we're going to hire you on as a... If she was planning to start a new life, if she was in a positive place, as, as a, there is no way she villain. would ever a take her yeah, own you're life. Gonna not be in a any dick. circumstance. Certainly not in this situation where she was looking forward to starting over. She was murdered, if you know it. She did not commit suicide. You absolutely know it. Yikes. I got it. Here's a written transcript. Uh, just read we'll this. We'll see you in there. Seriously. I'm just going to gonna put on a, a bad wig that look like you and then I'll just pretend I'm you and be on the stand. Although I don't know if she should get on the high horse here. She has murdered people. First you tell him how to beat the hearsay rule, then you practically supply his testimony. Helen, I'm just preparing our witness. I explain the law, tell him what's relevant and what to emphasize. I do it, you do it. And besides, you said it yourself. This witness is all we have to get Scott Wallace in that chair. Be glad I coached him. Wow, this underscoring is a little heavy-handed. They might as well just well, do... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I have to testify. I've explained this, Scott. If you get up there, they can put in the video. Lighting, but if I don't scene. tell my side... We've backdoored your story. The jury knows your version of the now event. listen to me. Now, I know I have the right not to test. Now, you listen to me. If you go to jail, it's not the only backdooring that'll be Defy, taking place. But I also know Ooh. that juries Ooh. draw inferences sometimes about defendants who don't. Comedian! Now, I'm a credible witness. I can explain that videotape, and the jury can see me as a person. It's a bad idea. Trust me. All right, so here is... Family and the children who have, are suffering from Ms. Fred, learning disabilities in some fashion. 
325. Rejected. Aren't you going to make that? We don't need to present that to our clients. And if your intent with that insulting lowball is to inflame me before we go in to argue, it's not going to work. You seem a model of restraint. Uh, you seem. You know something, Mr. Myers? You seem a little inflamed. I have a thing about smug. I don't like smug. I know how you people work. You hustle in clients. All right, all right, John. No, no, Mitchell. Well, the courts are clogged by bottom feeders like you who sue without bothering to even consult the law. We consulted the law, trust me. Don't think for a second that after we're through here, we won't go after you for abusive process. Let's not let our tempers prevail here. Come on. H.D. Lindsay! Oh, just walk into the frame looking sparkly. <laughs> Things just got worse. Judge Gilmore like got appendicitis as the case was transferred to Judge Aldrich. Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. Judge Aldrich I just respect her litigatorial so. talent. What? <laughs> He'll kick this before we can get through the door. Let's just go for it. There's nothing else we can do at this point. Litigatorial? She was both excited and terrified. Excited and terrified of what, sir? Well, excited to be starting a new life. Keith, we've, uh, dear listener, you don't know it, but we've stopped the episode about 12 times for various uh, uh, procedural <laughs> Procedural, <laughs> as in I got outbid on my house during the podcast. Yeah, ah! Keith, when we started, oh, some hours ago, Keith didn't know he'd be poor by the end of the episode. Uh, oh, I, oh, I knew I was going to be poor, just not poorer. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is all trans translated into me having little to no true idea of what is happening in the a case here I, I, his wife is dead he's his saying wife is dead he, he had he cpr yeah well he they found her uh having commit suicide in her car with using uh a tailpipe the prosecution's theory is that he killed he killed his wife and staged it as a suicide he is saying that no it was a suicide, and she got hit in the head when I pulled her out of the car. Oh, and who's this dude? This is the the his wife's brother. At being single again. Clear as Objection, this is all hearsay. State of mind exception. Whose state of mind? The victims. Oh, come on. Judge, they're arguing that she killed herself. The fact that she told her brother she wanted to live directly rebuts that. I'm going to allow it. The I'll objection it. is overruled. You said your sister looked forward to meeting a man she could love. Yes. She was planning on telling Scott that she wanted a divorce. And why was she so terrified, if you know? She was afraid of Scott's temper. She told you this? Yes. She at one point wanted me to be with her when she told him. Why was that? She was afraid that he might try to harm her. Objection! Objection. I'll allow it. Did your sister say Thanks. anything else, sir? She said that if she turned up missing, or if I didn't hear from her, that I should call the police because Scott probably did something to her. Objection! Whoa. Overruled. That's a. Helen knows it's a lie. You can tell by her face. Yep. Jason is so smug does Bay, but he's fine with it. Tiny fan. Mr. Barrett, you've heard speculation that maybe your sister took her life. That's ridiculous. Why, sir? My sister and I talked every day. We were extremely close. She hid nothing from me. If she was in so much as a bad mood, I would see it. She was not depressed. She was not despondent. She had no state of mind. Here we go. Mental deficiencies. Yep. And the idea that she took her own life is absolutely preposterous. 
I have nothing further. Helen knows that they stepped in it. Yeah, Helen's Bobby. got like conscience. Well, Bobby knows he's fucked. Helen is Mr. having Barrett, a weird. You think my client killed your sister? Don't you? Objection. Goes to bias. I'll allow it. You think he did it? I know he did it. And if you think this man killed your sister, you'd want him to go to jail, wouldn't you? In fact, if you had the opportunity to help put this man in jail, you'd probably jump at it, wouldn't you? What are you suggesting, counsel? Well, I'm suggesting you do anything to put the man you think killed your sister behind bars. You'd even get up in that witness chair and lie. Objection. I haven't lied. Well, I have your statement to the police right here, taking the night your sister died. And you didn't say anything about her telling you, if I disappear, call the police. You didn't say anything about her telling you she was afraid of being harmed, did you, Mr. Barrett? I believe I did. Where is it? Here's your statement. Where is it? Well, maybe the officer didn't write it down, but I'm Didn't write it down. The officer forgot to write that down. Look, I have always maintained that your client killed my sister. Yes, you've always maintained it. It has always been your opinion. But this is the first we're hearing of any facts, any statements like, he'll try to harm me. This is the first we're hearing of this because you just decided to make those statements up, didn't you, Mr. Barrett? Objection. Overruled. You want to put that man away so bad that you got up here and lied to get the job done. Objection. All right, Mr. Young. You say your sister wasn't depressed. She had no mental deficiencies. Didn't Steve my Harris client share with you his concern that your sister had huge mood swings, that she might even need medication? Hearsay. Overruled. Didn't he come to you once? Seeking your Jeff help as awesome. her brother to convince her to get treatment. Absolutely not. You're a liar. Objection. Mr. Young. You're under oath here, Mr. Barrett. Objection. Sustained, Mr. Young. Don't make me warn you again. You say your sister wanted you to come with her that night. But you didn't. Because I didn't think he would really kill her. I was wrong. What you do that night, Mr. Barrett? I'm in a weekly card game. Your sister told you she was afraid for her life, but you couldn't help her because you had a poker game? Nice. I think I got it. Yeah, Eugene! Keith, I'm going on record here. Let's gamble. Yeah. If I never need rest, legal help, I want Mr. Eugene. Mr. Donald? Oh, no One question. second, Your Honor. What do you think? Certainly, if for and then we still have a chance. But if the videotape comes in, Scott, it's still our opinion that you don't testify would open a door on the tape. But Bobby, he's lying. You know, I can... lost him pretty good, I think. Yeah, I want to testify. I can't let you. Bobby, I... Scott, if you get up there, we'll lose. Bobby. The defense rests, Your Honor. Yikes. There we go. The ballsy rest again. It's like three cases in a row. When the defense does What's not put up the case. What's happening here is obvious. The manufacturer playground... Hold on. Isn't... Couldn't an argument be made that he was denied his due process there? Like, that his lawyer... Like, he gets to decide whether he... Whether yes. He, yes, he does. And I, I think this is a case where he would... If he insisted, they'd have to let him testify. That wasn't insisting? I guess not. He didn't stand up and say anything, or equipment yeah, that uh, caused these alleged there. injuries to the children has gone out of business, leaving the parents with nobody to sue. So they file a claim against the EPA 
The plaintiffs have cited no persuasive case law, state or federal, that would allow for a United States agency to be sued for the conduct of a private business. And, Your Honor, let's consider the logic of what they're asking for. Since these injuries were caused by environmental factors, they're suing the Environmental Protection Agency. Under that theory, since we have an FDA, you could hold the government liable for any harm caused by a drug manufacturer. Since we have an FAA, you could sue the government for every plane crash. I understand that we live in a litigious society, but the idea of suing the federal government for the actions of any regulated private industry, that's ludicrous. As a matter of law, this claim is untenable, and accordingly, the government's motion for before, summary right? judgment we have should not. be granted. This judge is played by Dakin Matthews from Lincoln, True Grit, Child's Play 3, Desperate Housewives, King of Queens, Gilmore Girls, and he plays Admiral Patterson on Voyager. On and I'd like to point out what an awesome new set they have here. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if, like, it's obviously like a federal court, so it's much fancier. I wonder if they just borrowed this from another show or they had it on the lot. Um... Because this seems like an, uh, unless they're going to use it a lot, this is a very elaborate set. We are not suggesting that the government be held liable for air disasters simply because there's an FAA. Nor are we saying that the EPA should pay damages every time there's an environmental crisis. We're saying in this situation, three children got hurt very hurt because the Environmental Protection Agency didn't do its job. So you're alleging the kids got hurt by toxic... What a recognizable voice he has, too. Yes, there is a yeah. preservative, which is also a pesticide known as chromated copper arsenic, CCA. It's used to pressure treat wood, and it's found in decks and playground equipment everywhere. And I mean everywhere. With age, this pesticide leaches into the dirt which is what happened in my client's yard where their children played every day. But why should the EPA be held liable? They didn't make that playground equipment. Our argument is that the EPA knew about the dangers of this pesticide. They've known about it for almost 30 years, and yet they have continued to let the wood preservers use this stuff. Well, this is a complete lie. Would you shut up? Counsel. He's arguing the merits. Let me deal with him. Eleanor. The You're basis of your yeah. claim is that the EPA knew of these dangers. Our claim is that when a governmental agency knows of a toxic condition that causes developmental problems in the nervous system of children, when a governmental agency knows of a toxic chemical that is being regularly used to make playground equipment, when that governmental agency does nothing to stop it, then yes, that agency is blameworthy, and yes, that agency should incur some liability. Ms. Frutt, first, I can do without the tone. Second, we could complain every day about the government not doing enough. We can't prevent every disaster, you know that. Yes, but this disaster was preventable. As are most automobile casualties, too. The government could mandate that every car be built like a tank, 
They could legislate that every airline passenger be equipped with a parachute. There are lots Feels of things like the government now, could Keith. do to make things safer. I could do all of my there lines are like economic this. Realities. I understand that. And if the economics of fixing a problem is prohibitive, fine. But how about simply informing the public that a problem exists? They know there is a chemical that causes harm. How about simply alerting the public? Would that be too much of a burden on the federal government? Maybe not. My question is, do they have a duty to? Our position is that they have a duty to make known all toxic, dangerous conditions that they know of. The EPA uh, is still sitting duty. on this information. That chemical is still leaching into the dirt at playgrounds. Children are playing in that dirt, and the EPA still isn't informing people. Why? Because the wood manufacturers have lobbied Congress to get the EPA to back off. And the only reason why I know about this problem is because of three sick children whose parents hired me. Yeah. It's the much more interesting case. Closing? Yeah. It's yeah. not time yet. I haven't played the bumper. Ooh, a fax machine. I forgot what those looked like. Yeah. If a client wants to testify, it's his right. He's not seeing straight. The guy is talking about Fiji. He's competent. He wanted to testify, and you prevented it. And what would the result be of that videotape? He's competent. His decision was to testify. And you Eugene's making silent. your point. So we're both guilty. A lot of, a lot of pensiveness this episode. Hmm. It's, double down it's on definitely the sad underscoring. a lot more of a pensive start than George Vogelman running around in a dress shooting people, like last season started. Ooh, but that now we get some skyline B-roll. He Ooh. lied, Richard. We don't know that. Of course we do. Helen. Oh come on, the stuff about her sister being afraid or call the police. Where we did don't that? Know Eleanor sad. Helen's principled. What's happening? It's so confusing. What's that? Yeah, this is quite a turn for Helen. Oh, that it's untrue. I know what you said to him. Helen Gamble for him Truth and Justice? Helen. The man committed perjury, Richard. We both know it. That testimony could convict. Even if he did perjure himself, all we have is suspicion. Yes, we're both technically covered. That doesn't solve it. We could have an innocent man here who could end up serving a life sentence based on lies which we put into evidence. First of all, he's not innocent. I think he Your is. Your opinion isn't relevant. Second, there's nothing we can do about it now. The witness said what he said. For all we know, it could be true. So we just do our job and argue the case, period. Not wrong. Oh, and I suppose you'll never be able but to live with yourself Also not ethical. Now. Actually, I was thinking how I'd never be able to live with you. No. Zing. Shots fired. If you can't bring yourself to close, just say the word. The word here is the most damaging prosecution witness just concocted a bunch of big, fat lies. Now look, I can't prove it, but I know it, and so do you. Oh. Isn't your job proving shit, though? You You're think. in a quagmire. You're in a pickle, mm. as they say. All rise. 
A pickle that's probably taller than Richard Bay. Someday Jason Kravitz is going to smack you and everyone who's ever worked on the show. That the government, by creating an agency to watchdog private industries, could thereby become liable for the conduct of those industries. I am further troubled by the reality that it's the taxpayers who pay these judgments, should there be any. True, the Environmental Protection Agency is mandated to regulate pesticides. But to say that the EPA knew of a leaching problem and failed either to correct it or to warn about it makes them negligent to the point where they should assume responsibility is a hard leap for me to make as a juror. Shit. But it is, in fact, a question a jury should be deciding, not a judge. Defense motion for summary judgment is denied. Trial date is set for next Tuesday. Adjourned. Oh, let's do this. Last oh, action. We got an episode two, baby. Thank God yeah. it's a more interesting case. We won the motion. That's what happened. We're You're still alive. Like, so dumb you don't know that you won I mean, won I do, but, but I don't. Well, you know, okay. Helen's got principles, okay, but keep just calling our poor suffering the victims there stupid. Week, so we've got to get together tonight. 7 o'clock. Maybe they've got the learning Ms. disability. Can we it's talk? very clear you wow. want. No. You have anything else to say? You say it to a jury. Mr. Jameson, nobody wants a long trial here. After eight months, that's we what you say do. to me. Go to hell. Take your friend. Yeah! Who's that guy? Whoa. He's just gonna win. He's gonna win an oopsie for that line. <laughs> they have no case. Oh! They find my client's prints on the closing time. Yes. Time to put your case to bed. See that? It's closing, it's closing time. Otherwise, oh, you're instead. <laughs> closing time. If you've been thinking it's about time Baba Donald gets up there and gives a close, well, guess what? It's about time. It is your moment. They have no case. Well, they find my client's prints on the garden hose. Yes, because he yanked it out of the car. They find his prints and DNA on the victim. Yes, because he tried to revive her. There was a fracture on the back of her head. Yes, because Scott Wallace pulled her out of the car, causing her head to hit the cement floor. And seeing how anemic the case is against Scott Wallace, the man he believed killed his sister, Kyle Barrett took the stand and lied. He testified his sister was afraid Scott would harm her. Well, Kyle Barrett never told the police that, never. He just made it up. It was a desperate lie that cannot be corroborated by anyone. And it's with that lie alone that the prosecution is trying to convict an innocent man. My sister was afraid he'd harm her. If I disappear, Scott did something. And he goes off to play poker? The reason Kyle Barrett made up these lies is because sitting in this room, listening to the evidence, he recognized what you have to recognize. The prosecution has 
No case. I mean, to be fair, Helen didn't want to prosecute it to begin with. A woman announces to her yeah, husband or at least that she's in the going middle to leave with. him. They're heard in a screaming argument, and she suddenly turns up dead. We're supposed to think suicide? Is there anybody who knew her to describe her as suicidal or even depressed for that matter? Does it make sense? As she decides to move forward with life, she then decides to end it? As for the brother's testimony being a lie, where's the evidence of that? Did defense call anybody to contradict him? Let's all use a little common sense, shall we? A woman Good tries to leave there. her husband. She ends up dead in the house. A whack to the back of the head. No witnesses. Figure well, it out. Well, that's not their job to figure it out. That's your no, job. Here's my question, right? I mean, yes, you're right. But like, if we're say if they're saying she was killed by a hit to the back of the head and our defendant is saying she was killed because she killed herself in a car with carbon monoxide poisoning wouldn't you be able to tell you which one killed her with the autopsy because like carbon monoxide would be in the lungs if so if she was if so if her lungs are filled with carbon monoxide she was still breathing when she was in the car with the car if he killed her first, then put her in the car. She wouldn't have carbon monoxide in the lungs. Why? Why isn't this like a you know a we talk we we talk about this with Phoenix a bunch. It's you know the show focuses on the the proceduralness of the case, the big picture case, and leaves out huge gaps in like the actual in in court case. You know what I mean? Like we we, we of course we what's the autopsy? Like you said, like. What what did the coroner say? Was it asphyxiation or was it the smack to the back of the head? Like the, that information alone, if 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 at least we're not going to see it in the court case, we should hear about it in the close, right? No, we definitely should. Well, it, it's but a, a loophole or a hole in the case that big just feels like lazy writing, as opposed to convenient writing, even because like this is a provable thing one way or the other, right? It makes because all of this moot. It, it makes it. Right, not only moot, but it makes it not about the case at all. It makes it about really Helen struggling with should she should she accept the lie or the potential lie from the, her her witness and should Bobby have let the guy his client testify. That's what it no, becomes about that, instead of the case. Yeah, and that's what and that, well and that's fine. Like I think that's like if that's what the episode is about, I think that's that's interesting and good and right. You just have to have a have build that on a case that at least passes the initial sniff test. So the out of the official out of practice podcast opinion is that this some bullshit. Bullshit. Loud be wrong. Every day they need to be there. Yes. Our case is your children, and we want the jury to see their faces every single day, even during the doctor's testimony. They can do it. We certainly prepared them. The defendants have already brought a motion to bifurcate the trial, which we are opposing which means we really should get to work. So we will be in constant contact as we draw closer. Okay. Ms. Fret? Apology. I apologize for what I said before. Oh, good call. 
You don't have to. Yes, I do. I know how hard both of you have worked. And as I watched you in the court, well, I felt ashamed for doubting you. That was something. This guy's great. Yeah. Thank you. Ah, well, look his name up on IMDb so I don't call him this Steve guy Rankin. arrogant. Steve Rankin. And the wife is Lucinda Jenny, who has also done a great. tremendous job in this episode. Stardate. <laughs> Stardate 4.1.37. Very tense in the courtroom. Jury, the note, very jury poorly decisions. lit. In very, shadows. very dark for a uh, courtroom. I think they turned the lights on for the verdict. I think Will it's to hide the bad rise. die job on that guy right there. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached a unanimous verdict. So we're we we going to Fiji Honor. or not? What say you? I feel like we're not going to Fiji. Commonwealth versus Scott Wallace on the charge of murder in the first degree. We find the defendant, Scott Wallace. Guilty. Damn right you do. Members of the jury, not going to feed this completes your service. You are dismissed with the thanks of the court. Bay's like so jacked Defense up. Defense moves to set so aside the verdict or for a new trial. You can file those motions later. Security will take the defendant into custody. We're adjourned. Where they're going to find the Fiji We've got some grounds. advertisement the left on the table or crumpled up or something. We've got some grounds. Okay. We'll appeal. Okay. Where are they taking me? They're transferring Jail, me to dude. Cedars. We have Ricky grounds, Scott. We'll appeal. Okay. We'll appeal. Okay. They clearly have grounds. He demanded to testify and they wouldn't let him. Helen's conscience sitting there. It's so weird. Both Helen and Bobby are staring sadly that, into that the blocking is a little is a little much for me, but a little cheesy. Because I don't think they'd allow a lot. Keep that's the screenshot from the interview. episode right there. <laughs> yeah. And the brother standing there in the background. They did like a whole uh, the whole skit there. Wow. Uh, Okay, wow. Okay, the season premiere of The Practice. And it is now time for everyone's favorite segment. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. We're back, and so is Helen's conscience. We have a case where, what? What? Uh, she, she feels bad because they made, Richard Bay made the client lie. I'm losing time. Uh, but it turns out that uh, Bobby also made his client not testify. So guess what? He lost. The Richard Bay and the liars won anyway. And Helen feels a way about it. Also, the slide poisoned some kids. And now we're suing the EPA. <laughs> and guess what? We're sliding our way into trial for the next episode. <laughs> oh, huh? my God. I pulled it you out somehow. You did pretty well. All these <laughs> yeah, this, this was like Helen regrew her conscience. Like, when did she ever have one? That's a good point. This uh, is uh, new, but that uh, you did pretty good. That was a pretty good uh, recap of the episode. Well, thanks, man. I, I really, I do appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, I, we all come here just for affirmation. Speaking of affirmation, it's time for... Ladies and gentlemen, 
the Out of Practice podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're the fake award show we do at the end of every episode, starting with... Now do it in French, Keith. That's the best the French I can do. That's not bad, Just, although what the hell am I? What is this visual? No consonants. Oh, look, at least you know, season five hasn't uh, upped the quality in any way, shape, or form. No, 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 no. <laughs> we are not better. We will never be better. We're going to get all the way through Boston Legal and still be terrible. But you know who wasn't terrible? This week's Most Valuable Lawyer. That's true. As set up by you. Yes, well, you know, I have... There's two ways we can look at this here, and I think it's important that we uh, we discuss both, because okay. I think it's possible we could award this to Richard Bay. Uh, he he definitely might have been a little outside the ethical bounds, but he did so within his comfort zone that he feels comfortable that they didn't do anything illegal. Helen said it herself; they're covered legally, uh, and he won the case because of his. Uh, coaching or let's say preparation of his clients so i think that the, he is definitely a nominee however once again eleanor takes a case that is a huge swing huge against the epa she can't even sue the manufacturer the judge himself said that this is uh usually outside the purview of where who they could sue however he's she's able to get the summary judgment uh, uh set aside and send it to trial and so i think uh, because I'm a moral and just person, Keith. I'm not going to just, <laughs> I'm not going to uh, take the bullshit of Richard Bay. I'm going to say that the most valuable lawyer for me thus far, and she usually wins her cases that span multiple episodes, Eleanor mm-hmm. Frum. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I Bay was certainly an effective lawyer. I'm not sure if, I think you're a little generous with saying that he's like sort of okay with what he did. I think that was pretty textbook coaching of a witness, which is not okay. And so I think were the judge to see what he did, this case would be thrown out. So I think it may be within his own ethics, but I I think it was pretty unambiguously wrong what he did. Um, That said, clearly effective. He got the conviction. Um, But I think I'm with you. I think, uh, Eleanor, again, you know, took the big swing, was able to make the argument. Uh, it's tough to go up against the EPA. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's Eleanor. I think we, she starts off season five as strongly as she finished season four. Congratulations, Eleanor, on your fake award. It's now time for... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. The first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best. Guest actor, you are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. 
That's my favorite dance. Oh, stupid. You know, I just asked his name, and I've forgotten it already. You're we for had Steve Rankin. Steve Rankin. Uh, I'll I'll cut to the chase. He's my winner for best guest actor. Though there were so many guest actors that we could talk about. Many scenes were chewed. Some of the scenery was chewed. Even our new set was chewed. But uh, I liked every scene this man was in. I thought he played both anger and contrition very, very well. Yeah, I mean, I I have considered uh, giving it to his wife, Lucinda Jenny, who had a really good, like, single tear right at the cut, which is odd that they would cut right as it drops. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think Steve Rankin just was given more to do, um, and so sometimes that just gets you an oopsie. Uh, but he did a great job, so congratulations, Steve Rankin, on your fake award for the season premiere of The Practice, which means it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Wow. For a change, this one's very difficult. We've been just handing oopsies to Cameron over and yep. over again for weeks now. And now there's some competition. She is uniformly excellent in this episode, playing yep. more of a somber Eleanor, but she does get that front fire back for the back half of the episode. Front fire, yes. Kelly Williams, an excellent performance in a sort of secondary role. Bobby, fiery Bobby, almost Bobby McRambo-level intensity mm -hmm. shows back mm -hmm. up steve harris does what steve harris do he plays a combative eugene uh in the cross-examination there he does uh jimmy unfortunately not a nominee this week as he popped in for half a scene and uh, and marla and rebecca and, yeah. and lisa gay not even in the episode so don't think we don't notice that we noticed oh we clock it so i'm actually gonna go and you know, I'm gonna be wrong. I'm gonna write a write a wrong, write a wrong. You're gonna wrong the right. I'm gonna write a wrong, even though it wasn't really wrong. Uh, listen, our boy Dylan, he 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 lost the Emmy last night to Eugene Levy, who was quite deserving. He so uh, definitely did not. What's that? He definitely did not. They're it's a different category. Oh, he was right. best. Eugene Levy was a was the best actor in a comedy and. And Dylan was best supporting actor in a miniseries. Yeah, okay, so but he lost. That's, that's he did the key. lose. <laughs> so yes. I'm gonna let him whip out his big old dick anyway and award him today's best actor. Oopsie. Okay, interesting. All right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I that he did very well. I think you could also make a pretty good argument for Steve Harris for his totally. cross. Um, but I'm gonna go in a different. Uh, direction, and I'm going to give it to Lara Flynn Boyle, and I'm going to do it for one reason, because of her nonverbal acting in this episode. There was a couple of times during the uh, cross-examination, or even her own ex uh, her own uh, questioning of the victim's brother, where we were able to see on her face the, oh shit, he's lying, I fucked up but without giving it away so much that the jury would see it. But we, as the audience, being this close to her face, were able to see it. And I thought that was some really excellent, subtle, nonverbal acting from Lara Flynn Boyle. So 
That's what I'm going with. So we have a splitsies with Dylan McDermott and Lara Flynn Boyle for this week's best actor. Which takes us... Ooh, I'm getting a uh, getting a call from work. This... I'm not answering it. I'm not answering it. I'm not at work right now. All right. It is more... It is time for... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I you may not know it, guys, but this is a shit show of an episode for me personally. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going great, and I'm making it worse because I have a meeting for work right after this, and so I'm making Keith edit the audio, which is not going to be fun. It's going to be <laughs> awful. I well, only have I, two more meetings today myself. I know, and then I got to do like a late night, get something for YouTube, because God damn it, we're not going late on the first episode of season five. Um, I should probably eat something and, and also run today, too, but mm, let's see. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yes, there's nothing to pitch to because... Uh, it's episode one, so we're going to start the season like we should and give the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady to Tom Brady playing on a poisonous swing set, Tom Brady. Ah, poisonous swing set, Tom Brady. Congratulations, poisonous swing set, Tom Brady. Always Tom Brady, also congratulations for your first win of the year, you and the Tampa That's Bay. That's true, which I would like Buccaneers. to point out, for those playing at home, and I, Lord knows people are paying very close attention to our fantasy league, you did not even play Tom Brady this week. No, he shat the bed hard last week, so I put Aaron Rodgers in, and uh, it doesn't matter. My team is bad. So not as bad as mine. And we're both bad. Terrible. But, shocker to no one, our teams are bad. Yes. But, shocker to everyone, we're going to move on to... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Well, you know, just like Hulu, it's a new season, and maybe it's got HD spare tires, but I couldn't see them. Uh, oof, that analogy really didn't. I thought maybe I could, <laughs> I could, I could work it, but it really didn't. Do Mike well. needs a sandwich, and so does Keith. It was okay. It was okay. We fired. We were so I was so fired up last season. We gave like all the spare tires to season four, and season five started yep. sort of like like a sort of like a wet fart. It was like, <laughs> I mean, it had some. I don't know. I can't make a fart analogy. I'm lost there too. <laughs> I like the potential for Some the next toxic, episode. Toxic leakage happening. Yeah, I like the potential where we could go uh, for the for the settlement case. Um, but I thought the case, the A case, was a little weak. If I'm being honest, we got some great performances out of it. But like you said, there's a just gaping plot hole with with. And and, and also, I I feel a little let down. Like if we're gonna do the did he if we're gonna do the whole thing that it's about. Uh, with, about the things we talked about I'm just kind of saying word salad right now at least we should know we should know as the viewer whether he did it or not that way it gives a little gravitas to how it all played out the loss right yeah. the loss means more if we know for sure he didn't do it like Marley per se yeah uh, and well, you know we the know lie she did do it but we we're on her side anyway right. uh, though the lie even that like he yeah he lied he committed perjury that's more about the lawyers though who coached him but we don't know if that lie actually was effective i mean it was effective in him losing anyway you, my point is that it, it it took a little of the air out of the tires for me if you will Ooh, there you go that Ooh, there you go oh you stuck the landing i'm gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ding it too much because it was shot really well i thought some of the new sets were cool and we got a lot of great performances and i also 
am psyched for the next episode. So as a table setter, pretty effective. But but I'm not going to give it more than seven spare tires. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I, I think you you said it exactly right there. This well, feels no, like a I table didn't say setter. It. I didn't say no, it right. No, you said it terribly. But yeah. But at the end, the point you made that it's a table setter, I think, is exactly right. I think um, it's just a laying a lot of groundwork for future episodes here. Um, but you're right. As a as a as a season opener, it feels a little expositiony. It really didn't start out in this in the very exciting fashion. It was it sort of set up what might be exciting later, but it was a little bit like eating your vegetables as a case, as a as an episode. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think as a result of that, I am I am compelled. I actually like the cases just not necessarily the execution of them. And I think that, I mean, the, the plot hole you could run tires through, mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of questions about. Also, uh, don't you think for a season premiere, you should see the whole cast, and we should at least maybe well, yeah. talk about, like, what <laughs> did we do this summer? Like, nothing about the wedding, like, nothing about... about they didn't do talk. this summer in the basement at all? Yeah, come on. What the hell? Well, all right, so I'm going to give it uh, 6.75 spare tires and be very curious what happens next. All right, you have suffered through a pretty underwhelming episode of That's both true. the Practice and the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to tell us how underwhelming we were, you could find us at Out of Practice on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Please join the jury by leaving a rating and review. The Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, CloudLover69, Jorge Navoa, and Jennifer Masanova. If you would like to join them as donors and founding sponsors, you can do so by leaving us a monthly donation or a one-time donation using the links provided in the show notes this week and every week. Also, you can help us out by letting a friend know about the podcast. We've got a great group of listeners. We'd love to have more. Or, you know what? If they've never watched The Practice before, just tell them you know these two funny guys who talk a lot of bullshit and make you laugh. I'm sure they'll be happy to jump in and waste 85 hours of their life. <laughs> Keith, I'll close with this. If you ever get bored, and when quarantine's over, let's go over to the playground. You can boost me up onto the swing set, and I'll slide down into poison. And if I, that doesn't kill me, just shoot me with some laser sounds. A laser sounds. Wish me luck putting this together. <laughs> <laughs>